Hi, and welcome back to Best Friends and Their Books. I'm Tracy here with my best friend and co-host. Shelby. We are so excited to talk to you this month about our book of the month, The Great Alone, as well as all things bookish. So let's get started. All right, let's start by going over the books that we've read since our last podcast. I'll go first. I started out by reading The Charm Offensive by Alison Cochran. Um, It's a romance novel, and it was really cute. I gave it four stars. Um, It's very similar to the show The Bachelor. It was based off of that show, I think. I mean, I would assume, but it was a really cute book. The next book I read was Lucky by Marissa Stapley. Stapley, Stapley, I'm not really sure. Um, This one was actually really good. I started reading it because it was kind of like on the shorter side, and I really wasn't sure what I wanted to read next. And it just kind of sounded different than anything I've ever read. And it was such like a treat. (laughs) I really enjoyed this book. I gave it four stars. The book after that was a memoir. It was called The Glass Castle by Jeanette Walls. Um, This one was really heavy and it was very good. It was interesting to read about Jeanette's life. But again, it was very kind of sad and heavy at the same time Mm -hmm. and lastly I read The Great Alone which was our book of the month um the last three books I read have had a common theme and by the time I got to The Great Alone I was like really over it like a lot a lot of the themes in Lucky The Glass Castle and The Great Alone with selfish parents who Mm -hmm. kind of just like treat their children not great like that's being nice about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so by the time I was reading The Great Alone, I was, and we'll get into like everything with the book, but just overall, when I first started reading it, I was like a little bit tapped out at first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all I've read so far in the month. Um, I'll probably read maybe one other book this month. What about you, Tracy? Yeah, so since we last talked, I got into audiobooks, which is crazy. I never thought that I would be interested. And so my first audiobook was The Nightingale, which I was obsessed with and I still am. I'm not over it. And it got me really excited for our book of the month by the same author, Kristen Hanna. Um, I also read Oh, William, which was a really weird read for me. I picked it because of the cover, because I thought it was beautiful. And it was just, it was very interesting. It was a lot different than most of the other books it didn't have chapters and just kind of was a continuous story. And the author actually is a beautiful writer. So it it was really great, even though the storyline wasn't necessarily something that I would normally go for. Um, Then I read The Younger Wife, which was great. Um, I listened to Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights, which I love Matthew McConaughey. He's probably my favorite actor. And listening to him and his life story was just so awesome. I love that he narrated the audiobook. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Then I listened to Cult-ish. Um, I have issues with that book that are, are pretty great. Um, I wasn't a fan of it too terribly much. I found some of it interesting, but I just had a lot of issues with her art, like her defense. I had her, her argument. I had a lot of, yeah, it just wasn't my favorite. She um, came after your Peloton. She came after my Peloton and I wasn't and you- thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> I just found a lot of holes in her argument and I wasn't quite like, I wasn't on board with completely everything she was saying, although I found it interesting. Um, And since I like the Nightingale so much, I bought the Paris 
library and I really loved that as well that was I got really into this historical nonfiction um, and I really am enjoying that genre right now. I read my first Lisa Jewell book, Watching You, which I really liked as well this month. I had to throw in a Colleen Hoover, so I also read All Your Perfects, which I really liked. as one of my favorites, I think, so far from Colleen. And then I finished so far with The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna which I cannot wait to read more of her books. Like I'm, I'm a huge fan now. All right. So now we're going to get into our book of the month, The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna. As always, we'll be starting out with the synopsis so that everyone is, you know, up to speed on what the book is about if you didn't read it. Although I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you most likely already read it. But here's a refresher. Anyways, Alaska, 1974, unpredictable, unforgiving, untamed for a family in crisis, the ultimate test of survival. Ernst Albright, a former prisoner of war, comes home from the Vietnam War, a changed and volatile man. When he loses yet another job, he makes an impulsive decision. He will move his family north to Alaska, where they will live off the grid in America's last true frontier. 13-year-old Lenny, a girl coming of age in a tumultuous time, caught caught in the riptide of her parents' passionate, stormy relationship, dares to hope that a new land will lead to a better future for her family. She is desperate for a place to belong. Her mother, Cora, will do anything and go anywhere for the man she loves, even if it means following him into the unknown. At first, Alaska seems to be the answer to their prayers. In a wild, remote corner of the state, they find a fiercely independent community of strong men and even stronger women. The long, sunlit days and generosity of the locals make up for the Albright's lack of preparation and dwindling resources. But as winter approaches and darkness descends on Alaska, Ernst's fragile mental state deteriorates and the family begins to fracture. Soon the perils outside pale in comparison to threats from within. In their small cabin, covered in snow, blanketed in 18 hours of night, Lenny and her mother learn the terrible truth. They are on their own. In the wild, there is no one to save them but themselves. In this unforgettable portrait of family frailty and resilience, Kristen Hanna reveals the indomitable character of modern American pioneer and the spirit of a vanishing Alaska, a place of incomparable beauty and danger, the great alone is a daring, beautiful, stay-up-all-night story about love and loss, the fight for survival, and the wildness that lives in both man and nature. Such a good summary. Really portrays everything. Stay up all night, because that's what I wanted to do, trying to finish this book, because it's so good. I agree. I will say, um, in the beginning, it felt like there was so much like description and it took a really long time to get to like the meat and potatoes of the book that I was kind of like feeling like very annoyed at this book in the beginning. Yeah. And I was like, I definitely like thought since like there was so much that could have happened in the beginning that didn't, I was just every page. I was like, it's going to happen now. I was just kept waiting for something to happen. And it was just so much detail on like, just kind of like their life and the frontier in Alaska and Although I really enjoyed reading that because something I never necessarily thought of before. It was like, it was a lot to like, to read, to digest before getting to like the meat and potatoes. Yeah. I kind of felt like most of the beginning was really setting the scene. And I felt like it set the scene like five times before the scene actually happened. And like, I understand like it's, I mean, a really well-written book. It just felt like it was a little bit too long for me. Yeah. But then by the end, I was like, oh, my God, I love this book. Yeah, like, I was like, I don't so even good. care anymore. Like, it kind yeah. of like, in the beginning, do you ever, when you 
first start reading a book in like the first quarter or first half, do you ever think about what you're rating it? Like I'm constantly thinking what I'm rating this book. Yeah. Yeah. At first I was like, oh my God, is this going to be a three star? Like this can't be like, everyone loves this book. Like, why is it like kind of, I wasn't bored. I was definitely intrigued, but I was like, all right. Like, yeah, I, I understand what you're putting down. Let's get to it. I guess maybe because I had read some books recently that really like got to it very quickly. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I agree. And I, I was like kind of shocked at first that I thought people rated this so high. Um, and I was thinking back in the Nightingale because I just recently read that and I was like, it felt like there was so much going on throughout the whole book. Yeah. Um, and so it was just just very different pace than this. This one, I feel almost took the same like structure as the four winds. And I really, I love the four winds, but I will say in the beginning, I was like, all right, it's, uh, I feel like we're going like five miles per hour here. You know, it's (laughs) taking a little while. And then the ending is really what gets me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this book is crazy. Yeah. You know, I'm crying so much. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's what marks a really good book for me is the emotion. The, the emotion. Yeah. <laughs> the book hangover that this gave me, I'm still not over yet. <laughs> I don't think I've started mine yet. <laughs> <laughs> I just finished it this morning. <laughs> yeah. I finished it last night and it was literally all I could think about. And it's still all that I can think about. And it's all that I want to talk about. So I'm really glad that we're here today talking about it. So my husband will be happy that I'm done talking about it with him. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Do you want to jump into the questions? Yeah. All right. Luckily, so- this book is our first book of the month that we've chosen that has actual discussion questions in the back of the book. Yeah. I'm so grateful for this, honestly. The other months we've always just kind of made up our own questions and sometimes we find stuff online but the questions at the back of this book seemed really good and we're kind of kind of like pick and choose like what parts we want to answer yeah or we're gonna answer the whole thing it doesn't really matter we just some of the questions are really long yeah so we're just gonna head right into those okay Shelby before reading the book what was your perception of Alaska and what surprised you um I would say my perception of Alaska is kind of how this book actually was like just very, everything is very far apart from each other, Mm -hmm. you know, lots of wild animals, um, lots of dark nights and stuff like, well, dark days and dark nights. So I would say that my perception was kind of accurate. What surprised me? Um, I guess how off the grid they actually were yeah. in this book. You know, like I... And this is also... They had to like, hunt for their own food. And I guess this was, you're right, like a long time ago and this town wasn't fully developed at all or even like I would even say like not even partially developed. Yeah. So I guess the fact that like they really had to like store up all their food for the winter, Yeah. I guess that kind of surprised me a little bit, but I'm also in the same way, like not super surprised. Like that just seems like what you would have to do if you were living in a remote area, you have to kind of fend for yourself. Like you can't go to the grocery store every time you need something like, cause the grocery store is probably like a long ways away. (laughs) Yeah. And in the, in the winter, it's so unrealistic to think about traveling in Alaska, like to a grocery store. Yeah. 
I don't think this what about like, you? yeah, like this didn't surprise me either. My father in law actually is really obsessed with all the like Alaska shows on I don't even know what channel, but he watches all these Alaska shows about like the frontier. I think Jewel, the singer, her family is from Alaska. We watch her family on the show all the time. So I I'm pretty <laughs> familiar with like the Alaska and this and this still happens like in 2022, um, this kind of lifestyle. So it was like really familiar for me. But I think I was most surprised that like, I don't know, that Walker, the like Tom Walker Walker situation and him having money and him being there and like kind of doing these things. That's what surprised me the most about Alaska. Cause I was like, it just felt unrealistic to me in this time frame with what the way they've been living that he was just going to like that he was gonna start his own little town. Yeah, like I don't know. Did why. you not like Mr. Walker? No, I did. I really. Oh, okay. I I just I don't know why. Like, it just seemed like way before the times for me. It, like I think because I was like reading this and how everyone was living, and I'm like, everyone's living like this. Like I know you have money, but how are you? Like how is this your thought process? Like I don't know. It just confused me. That's what surprised me yeah. most. And also the fact that they drove a WV bus or a VW bus there. I'm like, how did they get there? <laughs> like. That just seems seem so unrealistic. Like, are you not driving just like snowmobiles and like, like? Yeah, I guess that part was a little bit confusing. Sometimes they did drive the snowmobiles. Yeah, but how did they drive? Like, I drive in Colorado in the snow in a in a tundra, and I'm like sliding all over the roads, and there are actual roads. So just like things just confused me a little bit. Well, you saw what happened to Lenny and her mama, and they flipped their VW. Very true. Like, in the middle of the book. Yeah. So I guess it doesn't work out. The VW does not work out for them. (laughs) All right. What aspects of the lifestyle would you find the most challenging in the wild, and how would you handle the isolation? The interdependence among your neighbors and the climate. Would you have what it takes to survive? Absolutely no. (laughs) I would not be surviving. I would be the people that they talk about throughout the book, the people that die there or are gone after the first winter. Yeah. This is not something I can see myself doing at all. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of hard to say, like, if you're like put into like a life or death situation, like I'm sure you can figure out some things, but I don't think I would be nearly as resourceful as Lenny and her family. Yeah. I think what I would find the most challenging in the wild is killing the animals. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that'd be really hard for me to do Yeah. in order to eat them, obviously. Like, I know I'm like, I'm not vegan or vegetarian, so I do eat meat, but I don't actually like see the yep, you're murder not happening. It. Yeah. You're not so murdering. it's like, it feels a little bit different than actually going out with that purpose to kill the animals. So I think that would be really the most challenging part for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think I would, I mean, I don't, it says, how would you handle the isolation and the interdependence among the neighbors? Um, the isolation, I feel like I might be like, okay with for a little while, but eventually I think I'd start to go a little stir crazy. Yes. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I would like to think that I could survive. And I think, you know, if I was put in that situation, I would do everything I could to survive. But just the crazies of like how you can die in Alaska, there's no way. I would never, You, I just feel like even the people that have lived there for forever are not all knowing and they still like have a hard time surviving. So it's like, what were my chances be of not knowing? Yeah, it seems super unpredictable. Yeah. And I, like, yeah, I don't think I could kill animals. 
I don't think that I could, I hate snow. I live in Colorado right now and I like, <laughs> I can barely handle that snow that lasts like less than a day. I just couldn't imagine just walking outside and having snow everywhere all the time and being cold and no electricity. Like I, I lived through Texas ice storm without electricity in Texas. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. I forgot they don't have electricity. Yeah. And I could not yeah. I wouldn't that. be able to do that either. No. Um, I would love to see how beautiful it is and like be able to experience nature in that way. And then maybe I could do it for like a week, but not never for a lifetime. And you can send me a postcard because I won't be going. <laughs> I know. I'm like, can't even camp in Colorado outside when it's like less than like 50. So I don't know if that's realistic, but I like to think that I could, but I'm not a cold weather person and definitely not like a scary animal person that's going to come eat my chickens in the middle of the night. Yeah. I mean, I, I like snow. The cold is like, okay for me. Like, I'm not like, I hate it or anything. I'm fine with the cold, but like, I think it was much colder than I've ever been in before, much more snowy than I've ever been in before. And I think like that to that extreme, I don't think I would like it very much. I like, like normal amounts of snow (laughs) that we get here in Maryland. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -mm. Okay. Okay. So. Large Marge is a huge part in the book as well as the Walker family. Do you think that they came to Alaska because they are hunting for something or hiding from something? I think it would depend on which character you asked because I think, I don't think Large Marge was hiding from anything. I think she wanted to live her life of like freedom in the wilderness. What Do you think she was hiding something? Well, I think she was escaping from like the the grief of her losing her sister. That's true. That's true. And I feel like because she was a lawyer, and I feel like she realized how corrupt the justice system was, so she was trying to like escape that and just like have a carefree life. Which yeah, which can be both. You know, she's hiding from her grief, but she's also like hunting for like this like different life than she had been living. Yeah, I think the Albrights obviously aren't. I think he was like hiding or running from something like he was obviously yeah. running away from like the PTSD. the lower 50, uh, yeah lower 48 states um because he just didn't like his life down there and what his life was turning into so i think he was kind of running away and hiding but i think some of the other people there like the walkers i don't feel like they were hiding anything like i think no. they that's just where they've always lived and that's what they've always liked to do and they yeah. took pride in that yeah agreed Okay, next question. Did you find Cora's actions and liberated mindset to be in conflict? When we first met Cora, which is the mom, she's venting about discriminatory credit practices and the bank while sipping from a feminist message coffee cup. But we soon discover that she is at a tense crossroad in her personal life. What do you think holds her back? I think that Kristen Hannah writes about women who think that they're not strong enough in the beginning and then throughout the book they find their strength so I think what holds her back is thinking that she can't leave her situation and she thinks that she's just stuck there she thinks that pretty much like this was like the hand she was dealt and that's how she has to deal with it for the most part like I don't until the end when she finally gets her I guess it wasn't really her confidence, but I can't think of another word, but her confidence up to stop Ernst by killing him. Um, I think it took her like a long time 
to really like believe in herself to do that. Yeah. And not that she, yeah, like, I think a lot of women just like cloak themselves in love. Like it's such an easy cop out of like being treated the way you want to be treated. Oh, it's, it's for love because that seems yeah. like such like a, like fairy tale, you know, whatever, every girl's taught to want. Um, so you can, you can talk the talk and walk the walk all you want until she's faced with it. And at the crossroad, you know, she has to like make her choice. Um, whether you choose to be what your family needs you to be or what you think that you should be doing as a wife or in this like relationship. Yeah, I agree. Um, but it was really interesting to read her, like to, to her, for her to be set up as a character that is feminist and um, upset and like F the patriarchy, but then to just be falling into this like abusive relationship, like the, hip- yeah. the hypocrisy there did not like, was just crazy for me for originally, you know, and then kind of like getting to know her better and, and learning about her more as a character and then at the end, like just being so proud of her and like how what Alaska became to her and how it like changed her was like I don't know. It was really inspiring for me. I think she changed into who she always wanted to be from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching that unravel. Me too. Lenny sees the complexity of her parents' relationship when in such close quarters with them in the cabin. The rawness of their lives together. Do you think that it was going to be the weather or the violence that killed them first? Honestly, I think they kind of go hand in hand. Like, the weather is kind of what they said has been really drawing Ernst into being violent. So, yeah. I I had a feeling they would survive like the harsh winters just weather alone. Although sometimes I was a little scared for them because they kept talking about how much the food was scarce and like not having enough. Yeah, but like stuff like that. But I really felt like the book was going to be more about relationships instead of like surviving in the wild, you know? Yeah. So, but Ernst's violence was caused by bad weather throughout the book, is what they've been saying. It, like when it got dark and it got cold is when he kind of like erupted most of the time. Yeah. Although towards the end of the book, I feel like it was like constant, like it didn't matter, matter the weather, but in the beginning, that was what it was focused on. Yeah. From the first chapter, I really thought that Ernst was going to like commit suicide. Like I was like, there's no way he's surviving this. Yeah. Um, And from the back of the book, it doesn't really like, it says like Lenora and her mom, at the end so it's like oh mm-hmm. they're survive. it's kind of like nodded to them surviving so then I kind of like took him out from the beginning so I really thought that he was not like his violence was going to take himself out um yeah I had I had the same kind of theory in the beginning too because it was like yeah I don't know at the beginning it kind of like set it up better but then as the longer that he lived the longer the more I thought that it could be like Cora yeah getting hurt but I never I never thought they would go to Alaska to die in Alaska. Like, I'm like, that wouldn't be that great of a story. So I yeah. kind, of like, kind of, like, always thought it'd be violence. I was also super confused why why did Ernst want to go to Alaska when, in Seattle, he and Cora knew that most of his, like, anger and, like, emotional issues were because of 
weather and stuff like that. And so he wants to move to a place that is winter for so many months of the year and yeah. dark for like how many hours a day, like 16 hours in the day. Why, why would you want to move to a place that's like that? If you knew that you were grappling with that problem, like yeah. it doesn't make sense to me. Why would you move want to, to Florida? live somewhere? Yeah. Move to California, move to Texas. I don't know. Like why would you want to live somewhere that's dark with your abusive husband? Like that sounds terrifying to me. Like even whether the weather affects him or not, like I don't want to be stuck for months on end of darkness with someone that's like violent. Yeah. It's almost like he wanted to take them somewhere more isolated so he could have more control. Yep. Yeah, completely. But how else would you describe a mother's influence? Does Cora serve such a role for Lenny? Why and why not? Did your ideas change throughout the book? A mother's influence, in my opinion, maybe because my mother and I are so close and I feel like with young children, I am a huge influence right now. But it's just like a tremendous role in someone's life. And for Lenny, I feel like although she stood up to her mother and she didn't mind like speaking her point of view and and kind of proving her mom wrong and understanding that her mom was making huge mistakes in her own life, I do feel like Cora was such a huge role for Lenny and especially being isolated in Alaska that made her be a bigger role because that's her family was almost all she had. Um, and it was... <sighs> Cora was that role for her and I do feel like her and Lenny had such a good relationship but because Cora had was in an abusive relationship she wasn't a good role in a lot of parts um which was really hard to watch for Lenny because Cora wasn't necessarily what Lenny needed her to be yeah um but then I think it was, there was like yeah oh, sorry no, it's okay I think there was like a couple times where when Cora and Lenny were talking and Cora was like you need to think about me. Yeah. And I was kind of like, Lenny is always thinking about you. Mm -hmm. She's always trying to consider you, making sure you don't get hurt. And so I thought it was kind of strange when her mom would say things like that. Yeah. Like you're, you're literally all Lenny really thinks yeah. about until Matthew came along. But yeah, when she would say things like that, yeah. It was like, why do you, why would you get the feeling that she's not, she does everything that she does because of you. you. Yeah. And like, as a family, they have to rely on each other so much. And Especially so in these conditions. Yeah. In these conditions, like they're all, they're all each other had. And I just, it was upsetting in a lot of ways, you know, until the end of the book when Cora became the hero and saved Lenny and then kind of like led her down her own path to motherhood, which was like this wonderful, like full circle moment um, and yeah. wanting to do it the right way. Um, I know Cora became the hero at the end and the, the mom Lenny always needed, but it just was so disappointing when she became that, that it was just like a little too little too late. Yeah. I wish that Lenny got to experience that side of Cora longer than she was able to yeah in a better circumstance like not running from the law like i wish they could have like yeah that's true too. <laughs> like lived their life like the way they wanted to maybe in alaska you know it was just like so disappointing and heartbreaking to see that end the way it did yeah did you see cora's explosive act of protection coming what did it feel like to read that scene as a parent do you think you'd be capable of doing the same act or be able to write such a confessional letter I did see Cora eventually protecting Lenny. And sometimes it, as many times as she was knocked down and then excused Ernst's behavior, 
I was kind of like, mm, maybe she won't actually do anything. And maybe this is just the life that Cora is going to live. Yeah. But I think this is the third book I've read by Kristen Hanna. And I think that a common theme is, like I said before, a woman finding her strength. And so I kind of had a feeling that Cora would just, you know, let shit hit the fan when she was ready, when she was yeah, ready to believe in herself enough and she was done with Ernst treating her that way. Yeah. And the straw that broke the camel's back was when Ernst hurt Lenny. Yeah. And totally. As a mama bear, I, like, whew. Like you can mess with me all you want, but like mess with my kids even like a tiny bit and like my mama bear is gonna come out and like eat you alive. So I totally agreed and like saw where that came from. Um, I'm thinking that I would, if, dude, if anyone messed with anything with my kids, like I would go above and beyond what I needed to do to make sure that they were safe or, um, and I definitely think that I would write that letter in a heartbeat. There's no way that that would even be not a thought in my mind. Like, yeah, I think that, um, and you do whatever you need to do for your kids. So. Mm-hmm. Did you think that the, the cop at the end had the intentions that he ended up having like what a jerk I could see like he was definitely like really like urging her to spill the beans and I was like pissed at her like you listened to your grandpa and your grandpa told you exactly what to do why are you not following the like the lawyer's advice like that made me so mad yeah as soon as he was like you need to write it down I was like no well if he has her write it down and then he doesn't report it then he gets in trouble for not doing his job and he doesn't know this girl, so he doesn't – why is he going to, you know, take up for some girl he doesn't know Yeah. and potentially, like, lose his job over? And I was like, oh, my God, I, like, can't believe she's doing this. And then when he said you're under arrest, I was like, I was like, no. oh, my goodness. I really I, – when he said she, she was under arrest, I did not think that she would ever get out of jail. Like, I was like, this book is going to end with this girl in jail, and I'm going I'm to hate this forever. Like, I was so mad. And then I, all I could think about was, like – like MJ there with her and like could you imagine like sitting in a court like a courtroom in your or a police station and your mom getting arrested right in front of you like and then I'm like he's in Alaska like no one like it was just like poof, mind like my mind could not yeah his mom's in jail and he's meeting his grandpa for the first time yeah, like like how awful is the situation this poor child is in um that that was crazy for me yeah did you hold Lenny responsible in your mind for any of Matthew's misfortune? Why or why not? How does Lenny show her devotion in the end? Did you anticipate the kind of future that's set in motion for them at the close of the book? Um, ever since I realized that they were going to be like romantic with each other, I had always hoped by the end of the book that something would happen so that they became together. I wasn't really sure how it was going to pan out because I honestly thought that he like when when Mr. Walker was getting ready to show Lenny Matthew again after she got out of jail, I almost thought that he was going to take her to like a tombstone and like, I don't know. Did you feel that at all? I thought he would still be a vegetable. I thought they just like, especially when they described the cabin was like overlooking the lake. I was like, Oh, they just put him like basically as a vegetable in the bed, like looking over this lake. And I thought that she'd walk in and he wouldn't have changed. He just, his, his like surroundings would have changed. Just not him. Yeah. So I had always really hoped that they would be together and happy as a family. Yeah. But I didn't feel like I held Lenny responsible for Matthew's misfortune. Mm-hmm. Um, I like they were trying to get away from danger 
which yeah. is what they did. And it sucked that they had to go to like the lengths of going that far away from everything they knew. But I think, like, I just wouldn't blame Lenny for that. Like, it wasn't her fault. It wasn't like yeah. she like pushed Matthew, him over, like, you know? He chose where they were going. Like, she said, I need to run. And he chose that. Like, he knew where he was yeah. and he knew where he was going. So that was like in his hands protecting her and where he protected her just like failed on them. Yeah, I thought Lenny was really hard on herself about that. But I guess like anyone would be, I think I'd probably be the same. I'd be like, well, if this didn't happen to me, yeah. if I didn't come running to Matthew, then or this like, wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So I can see why she blames herself, but I didn't, totally. I personally didn't blame that on her. Because she fell first. And if she wouldn't have fallen first, then he wouldn't have like had to save her. And like, even in that instance, like she probably yeah. blamed herself for the whole situation. So I, I can see why she would do that. But as an outsider looking in, like I would not have blamed her. And I'm no. really glad that, that like his family didn't blame her. No one else blamed her but herself. At the end of the story, Lenny ends up back in Alaska. Do you think that this is an ultimate place? Do you think there is an ultimate place where people belong? And how would you know if you got there? I, I kind of do feel like there's an ultimate place where people belong. But I don't really know how you would, like, explain it at all. <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't, like, that's not a very good answer. But I feel like you just, you know, you you vibe with it when you like the place that you live and that's where you should stay. I don't know. It's a hard one to answer, but how would you know if you got there? I guess you wouldn't be thinking about living anywhere else. Yeah. Like right now, like I like where I live and I think I could stay here for a while, but do I picture myself other places for sure? So I don't know if this is like my ultimate place. Yeah. Yeah, this is a hard one because I'm a military spouse, so I'm going to be going a lot of places and I've lived a few different places. So, but like only one place feels like home to me. Like, even though my family feels like home, like when I'm in Texas, like that's home. And like, even like when I land like in the airport, I'm like, okay, home. Like it just like, and like, like even growing up in Maryland, when I moved to Texas originally, I was like this, like it just like that's where I belong. And I like have this feeling in my heart. Like that's, that's that for me where I've never felt like living in Maryland. I never felt that living in Colorado. I've only been here a few months, but I don't like feel that homeness of here. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just, I definitely feel like you do feel like, like places like have that just like that's innate feeling like within you where you just feel like that you belong somewhere. Yeah, I agree. And so, yeah, sorry. No, it's just crazy to think that they felt that in Alaska. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Like, yeah, it couldn't be me. (laughs) Yeah. I just, it's funny how like she, I love Seattle and I love Washington. So like, I don't know. It's just crazy for me that she like lived somewhere pretty cool too. And then she went to Alaska and like, that was where she chose after all the hardship and everything she went through too there. Like that's still where she felt she belonged. Oh, that's true. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah probably where she did the most like growing yeah well that's true because i don't know texas is probably where i did my most growing although i grew up in maryland like i feel like i grew into who i am in texas maybe that's why i feel that belonging there it's a good point yeah all righty so what would you give your final rating to this book five stars (laughs) (laughs) 
I gave it five stars too. I was actually kind of close to giving it four stars up until the end. That last like 75 pages or so, maybe a hundred pages. Yeah. Um, influenced me to give it a five, but I would say the beginning half was a four. Yeah. But overall I'm going to give it a five, you know, it'd be nice. Could round up. <laughs> yeah. I thought like 4.5 until like the like last like hundred pages where I was like, I have to get this. There's no way this is so beautifully written. It deserves a five. Yeah. Is there anything that you're excited to read next? Right now I'm reading Mexican Gothic, which I've picked up and put down a few times. So I'm ex- really excited to actually finish it. Um, and then I have Lessons in Chemistry, which I'm really excited to, to read, as well as more from Kristen Hanna. Like, now I need to read The Four Winds. Like, I need to get... <laughs> I loved Firefly Lane. Um, I watched it on Netflix, and I really enjoyed that. So I think that she's one of my new favorite authors, and I'm excited to read more. Yes. I would appreciate if she made her books like a smidge shorter, but I do really like her as an author as well. I'm so the next book I'm gonna read is new. I think when does it come out? Is it already come out? Okay, it just came out April 19th. It's called Part of Your World by Abby Jimenez. I thought it sounded really cute, it's just like a little a romance novel. It sounded really cute. And I'm also excited. I'm surprised you didn't say this, but we're gonna start reading the Akatar. Oh, series yes i forgot I'm so together excited. um it's not our next book of the month but we are going to start reading them together and we will most likely have some special podcast episodes with our our thoughts and feelings and everything about that series so, so i am excited. pretty excited to start that i'm not a fantasy girly but we're we're gonna try it out, oh, try it out. So tracy excited. had to do a little bit of convincing <laughs> and then i finally fell into the peer pressure but now i'm excited <laughs> Like, I'm not, like, I'm not feeling, like, dragged into it. Like, I'm, like, pumped to get into reading it. I'm glad you came about that yourself. Me too. Sometimes, like, I just need to realize that maybe it won't be so bad. (laughs) I just, like, I know I'm not, like, I never have been into Harry Potter. I've never been into Twilight. I've read one Hunger Games book, and I did like it, but, like, I'm not, like, a. am just, like, not, like, a big fantasy, like, dystopian type of reader mm. so that's why I was like these are really thick big books like yep. do I want to get stuck in a series that I'm not like I know that is not my type of book but there's just so many people I've seen read it recently and so many people that don't normally read fantasy have been reading it and they really liked it so I'm I want to give it a shot I think that's what really kind of pulled me yeah pulled me through yeah I'm excited I'm really excited because like you like Harry Potter so I know you're like you could like yeah but like, I like, like Harry Potter but like I'm not necessarily like I wouldn't say I like fantasy because I like Harry yeah. Potter but that was also started when I was like six yeah and so like, oh, it's a different person back then that's um, true. but like my love has continued throughout the years but I don't know I can't think of any other fantasy books I've ever read like I tried to read The Hobbit before and I couldn't get into that I did read Twilight in high school I read it again in adult an adult life and it was not good for me anymore. So I don't know. I'm like, I had mixed feelings of whether I'm going to fall in love with the genre, but I'm really excited because I love the hype behind it. Yeah, me too. Um, and, oh, we should probably announce our May book Yes. as well. We just decided on it like five <laughs> seconds before the podcast started. I don't know how we like have forgotten to talk about this, but we decided we are going to read 
Things We Never Got Over by Lucy Score. It was recently published this year in January. Oh, we didn't even look at the number of pages. This is a long one, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Kindle edition is 570 pages. Woo! Maybe this is the only book I read next month. I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's what we're we're going to read. It looked really cute. Uh, I think it's like, it seems like it's like a cute romance. Yeah, so I'm excited. I'm in the mood for, I need some cute romances in my life right now. Me too. And if you ever have a suggestion, anyone that's listening on what we should read, please DM us on Instagram at best friends and their books and let us know because we love, we love talking about what other people are interested in. Yes. And I think that sums it all up. Is there anything else that you'd like to say? Nope. I think we're good. All right. Bye everyone. Thank you for listening. Bye. See you next month.